0: Welcome to Radio KAL, the Superman podcast brought to you by supermanhomepage.com. This is show number 65, released on May 26th, 2010. My name is Steve Eunice,
1: and joining me, my co-host, Neil Bailey. G'day, Neil. I'm Ron Burgundy. Hey, Steve. How you doing? I'm doing pretty good. It's getting to be summer around here, though. You wouldn't know it for the rain. Oh, fair enough. Well, it's uh, really getting chilly over here, so uh, winter is, uh, is, uh, is nigh. Ah. What's new in your world? Oh, just uh, finished another book. Uh, trying to, to to recover from the from the crush of writing three novels in a year and a half. I don't know. My 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 brain is exploding. <laughs> very good, very good. Well, uh, did your brain explode with our first discussion
0: topic, the season finale of season nine of Smallville? Dead to me. It's dead to me. It's so <laughs> dead to
1: me. No. Uh, <laughs> um. I tried to make sense of it. It was it was lots of exciting things. Like it, it was like watching a Michael Bay movie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like oh look, it's an explosion here. Oh look, it's an explosion there. What does this mean? You know. Um, so yeah. so you weren't impressed. I was, you know. If it, it's kind of weird because now I'm in the position of where all the people who used to like write me and were like, "Don't pay attention, don't think about anything, just watch the show," and I promise you'll like it. And, and I still found myself being pulled pulled out by the uh, big gaping open plot holes and the like. Um, I I there there were a lot of things. It, 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 the funny thing is, it's been what three weeks now, something like that, two weeks. And 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 already most of the major plot points have fallen right out of my head, but I I remember thinking about the, about the Zod stuff that uh, it was utterly astonishing that uh, Zod just kind of sat on those powers for weeks, and and after Clark was like after Clark gave him the old the old uh, one finger fusion. salute he he, he just kind of was like okay I'm gonna wait until he uh, until he gets the book of Rao and then I'm going to confront him and I'm not going to really and like, getting the blue kryptonite knife instead of like I don't know it seems like he went through all these weird efforts to come up with these weird side side plots and, and, and it was all cloak and dagger you remember that thing where he was like uh, doing the thing with Tess where he was like I'm gonna destroy you no I'm gonna destroy you because I've thought three steps ahead and I've thought three steps ahead and yet once he's actually enacted his plan he, he, his plan is like a blue kryptonite shiv you know he's like i'm gonna knife you clock you know <laughs> you know what it just, it just it just struck me as very funny that you said cloak and dagger and that's exactly what he was yeah yeah pretty much <laughs> he had a cloak and a dagger <laughs> that's about it and, and and you know they did the Clark does the stabby thing and he's like pulled away and and, and, and it's another one of those cases where you've got the kryptonite right there the whole time and yet other people aren't being affected. And I guess it's a lead sheath or whatever, but yeah, I don't know. uh, I'm impressed, though, with the ability with which Jor-El had such incredible foresight to plan all of these things that would potentially happen in the future while his planet was being destroyed. (laughs) You know, it's like Clark's going to be having his fifth kid. was the Nostradamus of Krypton. Yeah, pretty much. The Nostradamus Krypton. He's going to be having Clark's going to be having his fifth kid, you know, and, and then all of a sudden a recording is going to pop up. Use the wipes that I sent you, Clark. <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah,
0: no, but I uh, that's. I think that was a bit of a problem with the end of towards the end of season nine was the pacing. Uh, you'd get these, uh, you know, nice feel good episodes like you know the return of Martha and uh, with Perry and they had this oh, nice meal and oh. you know, Clark's sitting there having dinner with
1: the four of them instead of uh, looking for the Kryptonians. So. There was there was a caption contest entry that solved that really well. Um, I don't know if you saw it or not, but it was hilarious. It made me laugh a lot. The uh, the guy who said, "Don't worry, kid. It's it's Henry Martha Kent, Henry Perry White, and, <laughs> yeah, and Lois Lane." You know that pretty much sums it up. Yeah, no, but uh, you know I was impressed with certain parts of uh, the season
0: finale. I thought um, you know there were there were aspects to it that uh, you know were different and and interesting. I mean I've I've never been a fan of you know, then preempting everything that's supposed to happen in the Superman world of, you know, once he's Superman and all that seems to happen before he's Superman in this ret- this telling of the of the of the uh journey to becoming Superman, uh, he's now it seems like Lois has already found out that Clark and, and the blur are uh, one and the same from that kiss and um yeah, it because I mean and it had to happen in that episode because, you know, by feeling Zod's hand on her shoulder she recognised that it wasn't Clark's or the blur's real hand so for god's sake if Clark's going to kiss her and she's going to get kissed by the blur then if she can work out from the touching of a hand that it's one person not another then surely in a a passionate kiss she's going to be able to work out that uh Clark and the blur are are one and the same and I'm glad that they did that for the sake of the character's um uh, reputation I suppose because it should be pretty stupid if she couldn't work out from a kiss but she could work it out from a hand
1: yeah, well, it's uh, it's going to be they, – they've got the suit. They delivered the suit this last season, and and yet they're going to come up with another reason for an entire year why you can't wear it for whatever reason. Yeah. But I think it pretty much encapsulated my feeling about the uh, show that uh, w- when they had the reflection in Clark's eyes part and the S was backwards, you know, <laughs> it's like they're going to do this thing that everybody wants to see but they're going to do it with kind of a subtle lack of care that shows that they're not going to pay attention to the ramifications of what they're doing and the continuity well, of what they're
0: doing. it was Martha was giving him a bizarro suit.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, like <laughs> cuz she's evil now, you know, and even maybe she's bizarro Martha. Henry Martha. Clark Martha. Yeah. Or Henry Martha Kent is is a bizarro version because she's evil now, apparently. Yeah. I it's, I was watching okay, there's something right there. I was watching that show and I'm like I know that if a character returns, if any major character returns, they have to be evil by the end of the episode, and sure <laughs> enough, they turned Marth, you know, and granted she was protecting Clark, yeah, but she's still she's still beating people up and having covert assassins do awful things, and it's like yeah sure that's that's dear old mock hint isn't it that's right you know yeah,
0: yeah, ah. but uh I know what you mean, but um the, and the thing that got me was they understand that that first segment of the show, of the season finale, that dream sequence. Was going to excite everybody because that's the show they want. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I mean, oh, the they hardly they even still, showed Superman. I know they hardly even showed it, but you know the the fact that you know look up in the sky that you know uh, here's Clark Kent. You know, left his glasses on his desk and he's gone to change into Superman. He saved the plane, and yeah. you know Lois is is Lois and. And there, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen is somewhere, and and you, know, and you know, there's the costume, and there's the reflection in his eyes of the costume he's getting, being given, and everyone's excited because this is this is what they want, but this is not the show that Smallville is.
1: Yeah. Oh God, it's been what eleven years since we've seen a live-action Superman on a TV screen, yeah. something like that. Yeah, that's that's right. You know, and uh, it's not actually
0: a Superman series yet. So um, everyone wants a Superman series. Everyone wants to see clark in the costume everyone wants to see him be called superman um well i can't say everyone and i can't speak for everyone but um obviously there are people out there who are happy with the show and are very happy with the show um but the fact that they put in that scene as i was saying in the beginning of that episode shows that they know that this will tease the fans and excite the fans but yet that's not the show they're prepared to give us
1: i'm, I'm just it, it really baffles me it must be Tom Welling's decision or, or or whatnot, because at this point, they've taken so many things from the mythos and just run with it. You know, it's obvious that they're not doing this because they don't want to violate the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's got to just be that Tom doesn't want to put on the suit. and And, oh, boy... I wish I could understand that. I kind of can't. It's not like he, it's like he, a, after 10 years of playing Superman, he's not going to be typecast as Superman. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, he says um, he's terrified of donning the
0: tights. And uh, so, <laughs> I don't know. Whether it's a physique thing, whether it's a physical thing, whether it's a, like you said, a typecast thing. I don't know what the problem is. But um, the thing is, by putting that sequence in 2012, 2013, or whatever it was that was on the banner. Uh, in that final episode of that dream sequence, uh, shows that uh, you know they're still not prepared to do it in next year. It's more like it's you know it's a couple of years in the future.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it was like uh, <laughs> I had this frightening thought. Oh God, they're going to do twelve seasons. Oh God.
0: <laughs> well, some you people were me. saying that uh, that sequence was a dream of his first appearance in the costume.
1: Yeah, which yeah. It's, you know, it's I mean, still- it's
0: similar in what happened in the comics with him saving the the space plane. Um, you know, it's similar to what happened in Superman the animated series where he saved um, you know the aeroplane landing in Metropolis. So it seems to be that you know this could this could be, that could have been the uh, debut of Superman in the costume as far yeah. as uh, Smallville is concerned. And if that's the case, then we're not going to see Superman in the costume uh, in season ten.
1: Yeah, I well, I I would doubt that we will. I I, I think that it, it, even in the uh, even in the interview, he kind of hedged around that a little bit. Though, the very rare Tom Welling few moments with yeah. him a couple of a couple of days ago, but uh, I don't know. I still don't. Th- I, I will be pleasantly surprised if I'm wrong, but I still don't think we'll see him don any kind of suit other than like <laughs> maybe like the shirt. I'll bet yeah, they put him in a blue shirt next year. You well, that's know, because the they put that's- the S on him. That could be what
0: Martha was giving him. It could be a blue undershirt with the, you know, with the red and yellow S and that's what he'll wear underneath his trench coat next, next season instead of just (laughs) his, his Neo matrix trench coat. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Okay. And we've been speaking about season 10 and it it has been announced that it is the final season of the show. Tom Welling has teased in video interviews that, Oh, you know, the fans hold all the power. If there's enough people watching, then it could go beyond that. But, um, the official announcement from the CW is that season 10 is the final season. And it's been very rare that a show has been announced as the final season and then continued on uh, beyond the, that announcement. So, um, you know, I think it's more of, you know, he wants to get the fans to return to the show. who, those who Of course, ratings have been down this season to some degree. Um, you know, the season finale wasn't... Um, they were down uh, a quarter,
1: uh, weren't they? Like yeah. a, like a quarter of of what the ratings were
0: last year. Yeah, exactly. So there are um, you know reasons why they would say you know the more people that watch it, the more chance there is of season eleven. But uh, obviously they're they're looking for you know higher ratings, and as Smallville still is on Friday night, and it's now being joined by Supernatural, which is also going to be in its final season um, next season, and uh, will be partnered with Smallville on Friday nights on the CW. So. Um, season ten,
1: the final season, but, and uh, and uh, they're finally getting rid of Chloe. Like the last, yeah. the last major cast member from the original setup, other than Tom, is now going to be gone. Well, of- that's it. I mean, Chloe will be back in season ten. She won't be a series
0: regular, which means she won't be in every episode. She'll probably be like what Lois was in some of her earlier seasons, where instead of being on for the full twenty-two episodes, she was in say thirteen. Um, yeah. So Chloe will still be around. Don't worry about that. But she won't be uh, a series regular. So, uh, but she definitely wants to uh, finish off. Uh, Alison Mack definitely wants to come back and finish off Chloe's story and her journey uh, in Smallville.
1: That would be good. I think. <laughs> I don't know. I still. I, I often wonder what would have happened if they had actually had a little bit of uh, a, a little bit of. They had obviously no idea how far it would go, but if they had actually killed Chloe at the end of season three, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. How how much different of a show it might have been. Oh, definitely. Definitely.
0: And uh, I wanted to get your opinion of that uh, legendary
1: Chloe Sullivan commercial by the fans you know i haven't seen it okay. i haven't seen it I'm, I'm i'm desperately in love with chloe but uh <laughs> no i i have not seen it yet and it's mostly just been because like i was saying i i have completed the third novel so like i i look like spider jerusalem before he shaved all his hair <laughs> you know like I, I get this wild look on my eye and i walked outside and i'm like what is this crazy ball so you know
0: <laughs> well uh for those who uh like yourself haven't seen it um Look, I'm all for fans doing stuff for you know their favourite character, and um, and all, more power to these to these ladies who put together this Chloe Sullivan commercial and, and uh, a tribute to what Alison Mack has done um, on the show. But um, it was a bit a bit weird for me. It was like a bit creepy. Um, I don't see really Chloe as being the feminine role model that uh, necessarily you want your daughters to be a
1: serial killing <laughs> uh, big brother enthusiast
0: yeah I well I don't I don't <laughs> think you want to necessarily be be uh, making your life um, similar to hers or setting up your uh,
1: your your ethics your morals around what Chloe does um, I, it's it's not so much uh, that Chloe's a bad character, it's that she's been written badly, I yeah, would say. Exactly. I, I think the focusing on the good aspects of the character, there are a lot of things that you can pull out of there, um, but like Smallville, any of the moral characters characters in Smallville are deeply flawed because of the fact that they have the do as I say not as I do approach, and a lot of the things that they do are hypocritical, even up to and including Clark, which is unfortunate and it's one of my biggest complaints about the show. There are times when Clark will like jump in front of that meteor and stop a kid from being hit by the, uh, by the rock and but there's been times ever since season two where he will purposefully take red kryptonite which is essentially like taking drugs and then just ruin the lives of a bunch of people including you know like like his dead potential brother or sister or whatever that was you know like like every character chloe included has gone to the dark side in an out of character episode and done things that are reprehensible and awful
0: and don't get me wrong this is that's no uh, slur on allison Mack. i think she's a fantastic actress and uh, Agreed. One of my favourite uh, cast members on the show. And uh, we even got to meet meet her in person when we were in Metropolis in 2008. And she's a lovely, lovely person. And uh, Yes. Yeah, I wouldn't... Uh, this is, you know, if it's, as a tribute to her as an actress, fantastic, great. But as a tribute to Chloe as a character, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, she has kind of gone off the rails a little bit uh, over the last few seasons. I wouldn't necessarily be... Um,
1: You know, be looking to her as a role model. I wouldn't look to, especially in Smallville's main cast right now. Her and Green Arrow are extraordinarily tainted, and I don't just mean tainted in the sense that oh yeah, they sided with Lex Luthor on something. In that they both aided and abetted murder. Yeah, you know, like not even, not even kind of halfway. It's like she helped Doomsday kill people. You know, that's right. Um, she she didn't she I think she She killed linda lake right uh yeah that's kind of i think i think chloe killed linda lake and green arrow murdered lex luthor as far as we know i know we all know that lex luthor comes back eventually that's meta and beyond the point green arrow sets out to and actually murders lex luthor that's that right. forever tarnishes him as a person. You cannot commit murder and come back from that and be a moral person unless you were act unless you were somehow affected by some kind of, you know, mind control or whatever, but that's not indicated in any way in the narrative for either character.
0: Okay, well talking about reprehensible characters, uh Tom wants Lana to come back in season ten. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you like that segue? <laughs> Oh God, my embolism. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, no. Tom says that he wants Michael
0: Rosenbaum and Kristen Creuk to return, if possible, in the final season of the show to, I guess, you know, round off the series. And I don't, if, I don't mind that. I think that you know, especially actually,
1: Lex. Yeah, all, all joking aside, if they bring back Lana and Lex into a nod, that'd be cool.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't see how Lana's character can come back without some major, uh, uh, you know, thing because of the fact that she's now a Kryptonite. Imbued,
1: and <laughs> she'll walk in. Buried. My powers went away somehow. Unless she wears a, she a lead by the suit
0: again. No, yeah. Unless she wears a lead suit of some kind or something like that. Right. But uh no, <laughs> definitely Lex Luthor. If we can get some kind of a, you know, a nod to that and uh have him, you know, round off the series and you know come back to power in Metropolis, that would be fantastic.
1: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So um we'll see what happens with season ten. It's even Tom doesn't know exactly what's happening yet. They haven't written or done anything with the, the, the beginning of season 10 yet. Uh, we don't know how Clark will um, you know, uh, get out of the situation. He's in falling to his apparent doom with a blue kryptonite knife in his side. But um, very, uh, very, obviously the symbolism there was uh, very uh, Christ-like and uh, not the first time we've seen that either in a Superman
1: story. I wonder, you know, I'm I'm betting he'll pull the knife out and fly up into the air. What do you think? Yeah, well, that would be no. interesting. I don't no, think
0: so, no, but no. that yeah, <laughs> he usually has That's to take a, point... a leap of some kind. He hasn't even le- leapt to what, to fly uh, on his own. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, that was me being sarcastic.
0: <laughs> really? Sigh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, but for our fans in um, the UK uh, who have been waiting for season nine of Smallville to begin because. Let's face it, uh, only um, America and Canada have received Season 9, unless, and I know there are people in Ireland and and, uh, other parts of the world who have got uh, certain cable networks who uh, allow them to watch Season 9, have been broadcasting Season 9 for uh, some time now. But most fans in the UK get to watch Smallville through the channel E4. And uh, finally, uh, after uh, much waiting, uh, E4 will begin... Airing uh, the first episode of Smallville at 9 p.m. on Tuesday, June 1st. So uh, set your time, set your clocks for that uh, if you're in the UK and uh, waiting for the premiere of season nine of Smallville uh, in the UK. So um, and be thankful because in Australia, uh, Smallville pretty much been taken off the air as far as free to air channels are concerned, and they're still they're showing repeats of season six on Fox 8 uh, on cable. So um, uh, Sounds like purgatory. Yeah, well, I mean, there are, you can get all, all eight seasons on DVD uh, in stores readily in Australia. So uh, fans will, obviously you know, wouldn't be waiting for TV uh, if they can get them on DVD with all the extras and no commercials and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, season eight is available on DVD uh, pretty much all around the world these days. But um, season nine will be on DVD, I'm guessing, around September. Uh, which is usually when they release the box sets. And uh, the uh, cover artwork is, is available now for anyone who wants to check it out. It's got uh, Tom Welling standing in the black trench coat with the S on his chest
1: in front of Metropolis with
0: uh, Watchtower in the background. The, Here's uh, a bit
1: of an ancillary question. They have uh, some of the later seasons on Blu-ray. Are there any plans on bringing the earlier seasons to Blu-ray? Good question. I don't know. I, I think Warner Brothers are going about
0: releasing certain things to Blu-ray, you know, in a a timely manner. I don't think they're necessarily rushing into it, um, you know, just because, uh, you know, these things are available on DVD and probably don't benefit that much from a, uh, you know, a release to Blu-ray if sales aren't necessarily uh,
1: super-duper. So um, I guess... Probably uh, the big Uber set that happens when it's all over all bets.
0: Yeah, I'm sure once the season, 10th season is, is finished, they probably will release a... Like I said, a big set complete of the whole series, both on DVD and Blu-ray, but uh, we'll wait for that announcement uh, officially from Warner Home Video. Uh, Okay, well, that's Smallville, and that's our uh, TV talk. Um, We haven't heard anything further about the uh, Young Justice animated series at this point in time, but uh, that is coming to Cartoon Network in the not-too-distant future. But um, let's talk comics and War of the Supermen. What's your thoughts so far?
1: Well, I I am disappointed so far. I was I was hoping it would be better. Um it seems like everything kind of got rushed in the wake of the new teams. Um and it seems like it's kind of fallen apart like a lot of the things that could have been dealt with were not, but it, I don't know, the whole time there's been a lot of there's been a lot of uh pacing issues with with the uh with the elements that led with Superman going away, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I felt that um you know, Nightwing, Flamebird, uh Monel uh, all these things kind of didn't you know, the timing was a bit off and uh, you know the the actual new Krypton storyline and uh you know the uh Superman or kalel being you know in the w- army and everything of you know, of new Krypton and that was all kind of okay um and was as paced pretty well but um now when everything's trying to come together in a bit of a rush and do this you know four issue uh war of the Superman in one month, it seems to be retreading a lot of steps rather than having any progress
1: yeah there's a lot of summary and i mean the big fight with brainiac was essentially just kind of like throwing robots at people instead of any kind of character so it's all very very plot-based and i know that's like saying a comic plot-based you know and it makes you want to smack me in the mouth but the truth is like the whole aspiration of this entire idea seemed to be developing some new characters and then bringing them to a culmination. And that culmination has just kind of fallen flat and the wheels have fallen off the cart um, i mean it's it's a story called War of the Superman and it 's like the seventh issue I think it one plus six, six. It would be the seventh issue of like say this eight part overall culmination and it's and by the middle of the seventh issue is how long it takes for Zod to attack. You know, yeah. like for Zod, the, the, the attack that he declared he was going to make three issues ago or something like that. And essentially all it's shown is not the consequences of these attacks, but random shots of people like, oh, no, Zod's coming at me. Oh, no, Zod's done this. Oh, no, Zod's done that. And, and there's very little there's very little actual depiction of it in a visual medium. You know, there's lots of uh, and and it seems to be kind of trying to be arty in a way that kind of fails because there's something to be said for not showing something uh, it, in a movie, yeah. you know, because you don't Maybe have the benefit of an effects budget. You can't show the Wolfman very long. Yeah, so just... what you got to do is strategic cuts. But this is a comic book. And if you're going to have Zod and 7000 Kryptonians rain hell down on Earth, are you going to spend time having Steel and Superboy assault Mount Rushmore and defeat kind of? Crummy, shoddy little troops to rescue Nat, or are you going to have Nat escape and have like three more pages of just catastrophic destruction, or maybe Superman reacting to the fact that he just lost what ninety thought was it ninety thousand fellow Kryptonians? Yeah. Or like like I put in my review, Supergirl just lost her mother. Supergirl lost her mother, and and you're and they're focusing on like ursa attacking the white house looking for the president like why you know
0: Mm, well what got me was that this was supposed to be the hundred minute war supposed to be uh each issue the four issues telling the war in 25 minute increments and there hasn't been any sense of that whatsoever
1: Oh, God, and the spaceship thing, that was just, oh, man, that made me cringe. The way that it's so obvious they set up those spaceships and that Armada so that they could justify Zod surviving the Red Sun shift thing. You know? <laughs> and I know a lot of people lament the Red Sun device, but I will buy it. I will buy that you can turn the sun red and that it'll take away Kryptonian's powers, but then what happens is if they're in space and you take away their powers, explosive decompression and death, you know?
0: Yeah, and the only way to stop that
1: is by having them in a spaceship well assuming that krypton is a new krypton is way the heck out there in the uh in the reaches of space you know and assuming that these guys can't survive for a certain amount of time breathing oxygen or whatever um nonetheless, the time it would take to get that armada there and to prepare it and to get it ready versus the attack that Lane makes it just seems rather like uh like for two or three issues there were all these people like I think at the beginning of the first issue weren't all those uh Kryptonians heading straight to earth from space
0: yeah they had a an image of Kryptonians outside the spaceships and obviously with the spaceships uh, fly, almost you know looked like they're around orbit of earth but um you know, if if some of them can get there without spaceships, why did they need the spaceships?
1: Yeah, there's a lot of weird things in there. Like, why did Lois Lane get kidnapped by Sam Lane? What's the point of that? You know, like, it's it's obvious to put Lois and the damsel in distress situation, which is not my favorite position for Lois Lane, you know. Or uh, the whole Lois Earth's uh, cat fight that seems to be burgeoning um when really supergirl right now if supergirl were being in character would be making a beeline to sam lane yeah you know it's like yeah. sam lane just killed her mother yeah sam lane just destroyed her planet you know yeah and you why is some, she uh, i was just
0: saying you made some good points in your uh bailey planet a couple of weeks back saying um you know all these certain plot threads were never really picked up uh you know the guardian and his daughter um, Zatara, you know, he, he showed up briefly in the the Adam uh, uh, Captain Adam side story that was going on in some of the issues. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff kind of fell by the wayside uh,
1: and weren't really picked up on. I I, I understand if things got cancelled midstream or if things got moved around midstream for whatever reason, and they had to uh, and they had to deal with that. In the quickest way possible, but nonetheless, there are other ways to do that than fudging things in the story. You can just kind of ignore certain elements. Like I'm not mad that Captain Adams' element is getting ignored. That's okay by me because I understand sometimes stories get cut off abruptly midstream. But to kind of um, to kind of ignore the characters' motivations when with the characters that you choose to deal with because you have those characters to deal with and because you have X amount of time left kind of kind of bugs me because it's – I can understand when the limitations of story stop someone – or the limitations of space tell some, uh, stop someone from doing a certain thing they need to do. But what really bugs me is when you take a character and you put them out of character in order to have them in a story and finish a story and still tell the story without really putting the time and effort and thought into it. I like to obsess over my characters personally and make the plot reflect their their dilemma – um, I, I like the, the – for instance, it, it, it's very, very good to see – Not, I wouldn't say good, but it, it, I understand the idea of taking away Supergirl's parents to give her kind of the same – feelings and motivations that superman has in, in, in one respect but i don't like the idea kind of con- a good converse example of the kind of stuff that they're doing with this series overall is like what they did with pa kent where pa kent dies because it's a shocking thing to do but it's not used to make any hay with characters mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. like you can destroy new krypton but I want to see some fallout from that, not you know, like a fight on Mount Rushmore. You know, yeah. I, I I I don't care. About what happened on some obscure uh, base in the middle of Antarctica and how they react to Zod tearing people's throats out, because we all know that that's going on and that's grisly. I want to know what turns Zod from a methodical, thinking, calculating dictator with a plausible motivation into a guy who's like, let's destroy Earth and show them what Kryptonians can do. You know?
0: <laughs> well, uh, talking about villains, uh, what are your thoughts on the upcoming Lex Luthor storyline? Uh, now, I haven't followed. Blackest Night, and I believe he got a taste of uh, some orange.
1: Yeah, he put I mean, on an orange avarice ring, which basically makes you want and desire things beyond your uh, – like Like, uh, you try and collect everything that you can find that interests you. And it fits Lex Luthor not to a T, but it fits a lot of his motivations, and I'm kind of eager to see what they do with it. I may, I'm eager for any Lex Luthor stories, but he's kind of just disappeared in the last couple of years, you know?
0: Yeah, well, Paul Cornell, who's coming on as the new writer of Action Comics with, I think it's issue 891 – um, will be focusing as le- on lex Luthor as the main um, character in his uh, in his run and basically says that uh, lex has been left with a terrible craving for more power which uh, annoys his control freak sensibilities and makes him feel weak and uh, he had a taste and he wants more so uh, he 's uh, you know, out to uh, you know uh, get more power in some way and now that he 's been Pardon, I guess, uh, from his criminal activities by the uh, U.S. government uh, during the uh, World of New Krypton saga. Um, it'll be interesting to see exactly where he's going. And it says something here about he wants to take Lois Lane along with him as his girlfriend. That's obviously <laughs> something that's uh, in his mind, um, obviously one of the, the, the objects of his desire, I guess, And um, exactly how she'll react to wanting to, for him wanting to be uh, around her will be interesting.
1: I'm, I'm eager to check it out. It's it's one of the, you know, on the bare-bone plot ideas, it's one of the more interesting things that I've wanted to see in the last couple of years. But, uh, you know, I have I have to see it in motion before I know how it works because sometimes it can be really, really great, and sometimes it can, you know, like even the best of concepts can sometimes go astray, like the uh, Lex Luthor Man of Steel series that kind of was like a drift in weird continuity but still had some good points. Yep. Um, so, yeah, I'm eager to see how it works. Okay,
0: now the other one that caught my eye in the upcoming solicitations was The Last Family of Krypton, which is essentially an Elseworlds tale. Uh, it's yep. a miniseries that will tell the story of what if Kal-El was sent to Earth, but not on his own, what if Lara and Jarrell came in the rocket ship with him.
1: This is like the first Elseworlds in like seven or eight years, isn't it? it
0: feels like it. Uh, I can't remember the last one. It's been so long. And DC have basically gone away from the Elseworlds basically yeah. saying that if something can happen, it's really happened in a, say, a different Earth, You know, now that we've got the multiverse back.
1: Yeah, I remember cutting my teeth on all those Elseworlds titles for for reviewing on the Superman homepage, yeah, and it I used to be that. like you'd have to pay $6 to get a 64-page story, and I was like, $6, that highway, that's highway robbery, and that's about <laughs> yeah. what you pay for a title now.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love the Elseworlds concept, and uh, it's, a, it's a shame that they uh, moved away from it to a degree. I guess it was, of course, I wanted to make things i don't know less uh confusing but they did that with uh
1: yeah leave room with oh sorry Go i was ahead. just gonna
0: say they brought in the multiverse so i don't see how that uh that
1: hurt yeah yeah they're leaving room for multiversity which will come out in sometime uh and i think it's 2016 is that what they have the projected data <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah uh. but um yeah so uh
0: last family of krypton will be an interesting one i'm uh i'm interested to see how that, uh, how that story pans out. Um, just reading the. Where is it here? Kerry Bates will be the, the writer of the uh, three issue Elsewells miniseries. And um, yeah, he says that uh, up till now, Superman has always been portrayed as an orphan, the, only, the alone alien living among humans who had the good fortune to be raised by the Connolly Kents. But now that Jorel and Lara are now, never far from his side, the orphan, lone alien card goes out the window. And yeah. So it's it's, it's an interesting uh, yeah. It's, he says how Cole's alternate life unfolds in this alternate reality should fuel the whole
1: nature versus nurture debate for years to come. Yeah, it's kind of weird. I mean, it, it's like um, Superman a lot. Very Superman is very little catharsis in that respect uh, without his parents being dead. You know, because he had his other parents alive. And that's it. Um, that everyone was everyone says
0: that the Kents were the moral compass for him to become Superman. So yeah um you know we've seen stories where he hasn't been found by the kents but it'll be interesting to see a story where he's brought up by his parents who are super parents
1: yeah and and are, are they i wonder if they're going to go with the science yeah yeah like like the scientific uh, dis, uh the, the the pulled back john Byrne kind of krypton sure. thing you know because that could turn him into a real cold calculating guy or it could yeah. turn him into you know like uh Basically, like a, a super scientist who tries to maximize through theorems how many people he can save, you know? <laughs>
2: um,
1: it's like an ends justifies the means pragmatist in in that kind of real chilling sense, I guess. But yeah. I'm interested in it.
0: Yeah, it should be it should be an interesting one. So we look forward to, uh, to that. I believe it comes out in uh, August. So um, we look forward to that. Now, uh, in other comic book news, Superboy will be getting his own comic book title in August as well. Uh, with Jeff Lemire, I think it's pronounced, uh, coming on to write that series and, uh, should be very interesting for Superboy fans for the character to once again get his own title in the comic books.
1: Yeah. It's been a long time.
0: Yeah. Well, I think he had, uh, obviously a title, uh, going back after the death of Superman story. And then there was Superboy and and the, and the raves or what was that?
1: Oh, uh, boy, you know, I can't even remember. (laughs) that's how long I should I should I'm a bad superman fan but I but I don't remember yeah well I've never been
0: necessarily a Connor Kent fan or you know a a superboy fan in that I never really read his comic books after the death of superman so um uh, yeah but for superman fans who uh, sorry superboy fans who are interested uh in in the character and looking forward to his own title outside of where he's currently shown in adventure comics and teen titans uh superboy will be getting his own title starting in august so Look for that
1: uh, in the coming months. Do you know? Um, that's another thing. Is it going to fit in with the triangles, or are the triangles gone? Have we figured that out yet? No, I think the triangles are gone. I mean, as
0: of pretty much the uh, War of the Supermen, there are, you know, there's no ti- triangles on those because of the fact that they it's its own thing. Um, right. And then the new ti- new creative teams come on board after the War of the Supermen. So um, I think we've pretty much seen the end of the triangle numbering for the time being. Because uh, Superman, written by uh, jo- uh, J. Michael Straczynski, uh will be a separate thing to uh, Paul Cornell's uh, action comics. So right. um, it'll be interesting to see whether or not they actually tie in in any ways, whether, you know, as it used to be, if, you know, say uh, Jimmy Olsen has broken his arm in one title, whether or not he ends up in a
1: cast in the other title, but with the stories not necessarily converging. That was one of the most difficult parts of, like, the Chuck Austin, Brian Azzarello, yeah. Greg Rucka Superman era because everything was so different in every different title, you know?
0: Yeah, exactly. But um should be interesting. I think not, I don't think necessarily that uh, Superman will be uh, a common character in action comics. I think we will be focusing on Lex Luthor and, and the Metropolis crew uh, with Superman possibly off in space somewhere for uh, the Superman title. But um, – uh, we'll wait and see exactly what happens there. But, yeah, it should be interesting times with new creative teams coming on board the titles. It's always an interesting thing to see exactly what um, avenue they take. Right. Okay, uh, let's move away from the comic books and talk about Superman movies. Now, um, there isn't really any news, any new information on the upcoming Superman movie, except for the fact that just before um, or just after the our last podcast – an announcement came out by the IMAX Corporation saying that uh, they've done a deal with Warner Brothers to release, um, you know, all their big movies um, between now and 2013 uh, in IMAX, and um, Superman was mentioned amongst those titles, uh, those movies. So um, it's pretty much confirmed that um, by the IMAX Corporation that we will see, or the IMAX Group that we will see uh, Superman between now and I guess the end of 2013. Some people are speculating that it'll be Christmas 2012, but um, there is no official uh, announcement as for a date, but we do know that it has been mentioned in an official announcement from IMAX and Warner Brothers that Superman will be released to IMAX screens and that will it will happen between uh, before or by 2013.
1: Yeah, it, at very least, it's 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 a time box. It's a tentpole time box, but we know that it's probably, you know, that it's, that it's got to be there by X time, which kind of gives them a target, which we haven't even had, you know? No, well, exactly. I mean, it's been four years since
0: Superman Returns, and now we know it's going to be within the next three years that we'll get a new Superman movie. So, really, we're just over the halfway mark in the waiting stakes. <laughs> <Oy>. <laughs> <laughs> all right but uh that's the only other really news we news we have on the superman movie um there is nothing um uh out there at the moment we know that they're working on a script or a script is being written or it has been written but uh by david goya and uh with uh christopher nolan uh overseeing that but uh as to any concrete uh plans we uh all we know is it will be tw- it will happen uh by 2013 so uh Fingers crossed, and uh, keep looking for news as uh, as that time uh, drags on. But um, in the real world, we've got the Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois, in June, and uh, that's coming up quick and very fast. Um, won't be too far away for our coverage of the Metropolis Superman celebration. I Can't believe it's been two years since you and I met there.
1: Yeah, it's crazy. I tell you, it doesn't feel like it, but uh, I don't know. Hopefully, I'll be able to get myself there again soon. Yeah, well,
0: uh, we've got uh, Jamie Kelly and his uh, new wife, Rhonda, um, going to be covering events for the Superman homepage as Clark Kent and Lois Lane, as they did last year for us. Um, but we've also got uh, Superman homepage staff members on the ground this year as well with uh, Barry Fryman, Adam DeChannel, and I think Ralph Silver is also um, making his way to Metropolis this year. So we'll definitely have a pretty good coverage of events in Metropolis for the 2010 Superman celebration. So, if you're if you're really um, thinking about going, uh, I believe it's June 10th to 13th this year. I'll just double check that. But um, there are still uh, hotel rooms available. Um, so, if you're interested, go to SupermanCelebration.com and the um, the website uh, states yes, it's June 10th to June 13th, the 32nd annual Superman celebration. So, um, supermancelebration.net, dot net. Sorry, is the is the website. So, visit supermancelebration.net dot net for the details of the twenty ten Superman Celebration. It's a great event to go to as a Superman fan. Um, everybody, like you go to a normal convention, there are fans of every type of of comic book, movie, and uh, and you know sci fi and all that. But the Superman Celebration is dedicated solely to Superman and. Superman fans are the only people you'll see there, so it's a great place to go and visit as a Superman fan.
1: A lot of fun.
0: Yes, and don't forget Laura Vandervoort, Sam Witwer, and, of course, Noel Neal are all the special guests this year. For comic book fans, there's Carmine Infantino is a special guest, and, of course, producer Ilya Salkine will be at the Superman celebration this year, so there's plenty and plenty to to see, as well as the unveiling of the Lois Lane Noel Neal statue. Uh, in the uh, in the town square, so plenty to see at the 2010 Superman celebration in Metropolis, Illinois. Okay, the uh, the last thing we wanted to talk about was uh, you know a bit of a down story in regards to Warner Brothers DC Comics suing the uh, Siegel's lawyer uh, Mark Tobaroff in the ongoing Superman copyright legal battle. Um, basically, they've said that uh, Mark Tobaroff has uh, had a financial stake in. In um, getting the seagulls and the shusters Sh- to uh, sue for the rights or to claim back the rights to Superman and DC and Warner Brothers saying that uh, he's you know basically coerced them into doing that because he'll get a financial stake in that. But uh, Mark Tobaroff came back with a press release saying that that's false and uh, that there is no truth to that, and that's the latest leg of the battle in the Superman copyright legal confrontation going on between the seagulls and warner brothers dc
1: eventually they will um sue each other so much that their um <coughs> lawyers will will disappear into the antimatter universe and be never heard from again hopefully
0: yeah it's uh unfortunately never-ending battle isn't it between the two of them yes. and um, uh-huh. you know i'll sue you you sue me now i'll sue your lawyer and yeah uh, it's just
1: going <laughs> on but um pretty soon we're gonna get sued you know that it's gonna happen gotta happen <laughs> We'll get
0: <laughs> don't say
1: that no 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 <laughs> but,
0: yeah no uh that's uh that's an interesting uh development there in the ongoing legal battle but Can uh, I Lana? if you like
1: I'll uh, try I'll
0: try <laughs> let's move on to the big question segment <laughs> of the show
2: let's start with the big
0: question all right, what do you got? Well, last month we had the question, uh, will you be watching the new Young Justice animator series set to be released on Cartoon Network? And we
1: received a few responses. Uh, who do we have up first? We'll get uh, Calvin Bose, who wrote, I will definitely be watching the Young Justice show. The reason is that, is that was, in my opinion, was the first team first team book that actually let them be kids. My favorite moment was when all the adult heroes were, weren't upset that the kids were risking their lives. They were more upset that the boy and girl heroes were planning a weekend together. It brought a smile to me.
0: Yeah, very cool. But uh, Stala Bodes, who is the daughter of Calvin, uh, writes in. My name is Starla, and I'm eight years old. And my daddy answers a lot of your stuff, so I wanted to try. Welcome, Starla. We're uh, happy to get your response. And she says yeah. because uh, I really want to see the young Justice cartoon because I like all the Superman cartoons. I also like Teen Titans, and this looks like uh, a lot like it. Can't I can't wait to see it. I hope I didn't do too bad on my first set, but that's what I think. You didn't do too bad at all,
1: Starla. Welcome yeah welcome you did great hope you do it again all right hector wrote hey guys love the show i I will be watching because it's something really cool keeping anything related to superman alive and also the show is a good idea to have a younger audience to follow the show and other members on the team kids will look up to superman and everything about him thanks for taking your time and reading what i have to say you're welcome
0: thanks hector thank you to uh, those three respondents uh, to our big question Let's see if we can get more people answering our
1: new big question, which is what, Neil? It's, uh, what did you think of Season 9 of Smallville? Were you happy with the season finale? Was the Zod storyline what you were expecting? Checkmate? The Blur? Lois? Chloe? Tess Mercer? Granny Goodness? Uh, No, is it Granny? Uh, (laughs) Anyway, let us know what you thought of it all.
0: Yes, let us know what you thought of Season 9 of Smallville. By getting uh, into the Big Question segment of the show, you can send your email response by clicking on the Big Question button found at the Superman homepage. You can also record your answer as an audio file and send it to us as an MP3 file, and we'll play that in the next Radio KAL podcast. So get involved with the new Big Question segment of the show.
3: Tension mounts at Star Labs.
4: Dr. Faulkner, please.
3: You bring that... That abomination in here into my facility and endanger my entire staff?
2: Oh, I'm not all bad, sugar. Come a little closer and see.
3: As things don't go as planned. I told you this was a bad idea.
2: There's no time for this. Do it. Or what? You'll make me?
3: I have to turn the generator off. (laughs) And Laura and Lobo have the ultimate showdown. Here we stand, or here we fall. I choose to stand. (coughs) Had it! Had it! So totally had it! Bring the house down in Superman, The Last Son of Krypton, issue 65, on May 26, 2010. Only at PendantAudio.com. A simple bank robbery.
0: You heard me. I will shoot the first person that moves a finger.
3: Takes a turn for the worse. Speeding bullet. Maybe you've heard. I'm faster than them. Any questions? Oh, oh, girl, I have one. Pick me! Ugh, seriously? This again? And Kara's day just goes downhill from there. Damn it, Metal, but where the hell were you?
1: Right here.
3: A robbery at Metropolis Bank I called for you Didn't you hear me?
1: Oh yeah, but but see Ayumi uh, She was showing me this game
3: When I ask for your help I expect a little more priority Than some stupid game
1: Blah, blah, blah Every time she's around
3: you Flip the hell out I'm not flipping
2: out
0: I'm really worried about her Well, you know How she's been acting lately
3: I swear she was She was this close to hitting Tally Tune in to Supergirl, Lost Daughter of Krypton, Episode 37. Coming May 26th at PendantAudio.com.
0: Bailey's Bookshelf. Go, Bailey! Michael Bailey returns to Radio KL with another trade paperback that he's reviewing. So let's uh, hand over to Michael now to see what he has to say.
4: Hey everybody and welcome back to Bailey's Bookshelf, the monthly feature here on Radio KAL, where I walk over to my bookcase, pick out a Superman trade hardcover or even novel to peruse, and tell you all why you need to read it. This month, this month I'm going back to 1993 or so, which is kind of depressing, because that was literally half my life ago, as I am now 34 years old. In September of 1993 I began my senior year of high school and was coming off of the high that was Reign of the Superman where Superman came back to life and defeated the Cyborg Superman and Coast City was destroyed and it was pretty much the most epic thing I had read up until that point. It was also the month where Lois and Clark the New Adventures of Superman premiered on ABC. This was also an extremely big deal. I had read about it at the beginning of the summer in Wizard Magazine and was watching ABC quite regularly around that summer to see if I could catch advertisements for the show. And they there were ads. They, they weren't as cool as the ads I, I saw a couple years earlier for the Flash TV series on CBS. These were... Little more romantic in nature, kind of pointing to the fact that this was going to be a different type of Superman television series, but I didn't really care because it was Superman on the TV. And while I have very mixed emotions about that show, that first season was and is still rather good. In 1994, DC decided to capitalize on the success of the TV series and release a trade paperback collection called, appropriately enough, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman. It features a photo cover of Dean Kane as Clark Kent with Terry Hatcher's Lois Lane hanging on his shoulder. And after an introduction by John Byrne kind of explaining where he was coming from when he redesigned the relationship between Lois and Clark uh, during Man of Steel we get a collection of stories that you can read and pretty much see where the producers got some of their ideas from. They include The Story of the Century from Man of Steel number 2, which features Lois Lane trying to get an interview with the new Superman that had rescued her in the previous issue. Then there was Tears for Titano, which featured the post-crisis appearance of the giant ape, sans his kryptonite vision. Uh, kind of a heavy-handed story, in my opinion. But it does show Lois as the aggressive investigative reporter. Then there's Metropolis 900 Miles, which is the classic story, which was a backup in Superman number 9, which showed just what a cruel so-and-so the new Lex Luthor was. And you can see a lot of what became John Shea's take on Lex Luthor. And John Shea was an excellent Lex Luthor, by the way. Probably my favorite live-action Lex Luthor ever. There's the name game from Superman number 11, which had the post-crisis first appearance of Mr. Mikshiaz Not quite sure why this is in here, because while it does have a little bit of Clark and Lois dynamic to it, it, it really doesn't show... Their relationship, all that much, except in the first couple of pages and on the very last page. Plus, it also has Cat Grant, who was a big part of the first season of Lois and Clark. There is Lois Lane, one of the stories from Action Comics number 600, and the first Roger Stern scripted story of this era. And this is kind of a cool story. It's very short, but it shows Lois uh, in the end game of her undercover investigation of a drug cartel and how she pretty much has to fight her way out of it there is headhunter from adventures of superman number 445 this was written and penciled by jerry ordway and featured the second appearance of the post-crisis brainiac again not a big lois and clark type story but you know kind of awesome to include nonetheless There is Homeless for the Holidays, which is from Adventures of Superman number 462, which was written by Roger Stern and drawn by Dan Jurgens. And this featured the Daily Planet staff discovering that one of their own, Alice, the copy girl, for lack of a better term, had become a homeless and was actually living in the Daily Planet. And it shows how close the entire Daily Planet staff was, and really pointed to the relationships that Lane Smith and Dean Kane and Terry Hatcher and Michael Landis, followed very soon by Justin Whalen as what was kind of the heart of Lois and Clark, which was the Daily Planet supporting cast. Then there's the Limits of Power from Adventures of Superman number 466, which was actually the first full appearance of Hank Henshaw, the man that would become the Cyborg Superman. Again, not quite sure what this is doing here. It it, it really doesn't have a whole lot to do with the Daily Planet staff outside of... Uh, Perry and his wife Alice running into Lois and Clark. Uh, But still a very good story. It's kind of like, hey, what, what if the Fantastic Four had all died because of getting their abilities and being exposed to cosmic rays? And finally, there is Survival from Action Comics number 655. And this is another one of those stories that features Lois Lane getting into trouble as an investigative reporter and Superman finally saves her at the end but really throughout the story she's she's pretty much holding her own kind of goes back to what makes Lois a great, story, uh, great reporter to begin with overall this was a very solid trade paperback I liked it quite a bit I actually had uh, given a copy away at one point under circumstances I I really don't want to go into right now. But you know what? This thing was $10 at the time, and I paid like $2 to buy it again. So it was well worth, uh, you know, my 8 bits uh, to have it back on the bookshelf. Uh, You can find this on eBay, I'm sure. Uh, Probably very reasonably priced. If you haven't read any of these stories, it's a good way to get kind of a sampler of this era. Of Superman and I recommend it so that's it for this month join me next month as I take another stroll over to the bookshelf and don't forget to check out from crisis to crisis a Superman podcast which is hosted by me and Jeffrey Taylor and goes live just about every Thursday here on the Superman homepage and if you listen to the back episodes you can hear Jeffrey and I discussing these stories in detail and now back to Steve and Neil.
0: Thank you, Michael. Remember, if you've got a suggestion for Michael, there's a trade paperback you'd like him to have a look at. You can email Michael at Michael at com. New email address there for Michael. So Michael at com, if you want to uh, send him an email for Bailey's bookshelf. Yeah. Super
1: secret soundbite. We had one last month from uh, the uh, very, 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 very first out-of-character episode, didn't we? Yes, well, we had uh, the sound
0: from last month's super-secret soundbite contest came from season one of Smallville, episode Nicodemus. Now, the, uh, the following people guessed it right, and they were Guthrie McLean, James Sellers, Jim Bennett, and Stephen Holmes. Congrats, guys! Well done to those four people who guessed... Nicodemus as the sound for the Super Secret Soundbite. Now let's see if those people and more can guess which episode of Smallville this sound comes from.
2: Whether well, a rule in hell That's serve in heaven.
1: Any ideas, Neil? Oh boy, no idea at all. <laughs> Sing, <laughs> I remember
0: nothing. <laughs> well, if you think you know which episode of Smallville that sound came from, use the Super Secret Soundbite entry form found at Radio KL's webpage and get your entry in. Each person who guesses it right will have their name read out in the next Radio KAL podcast. Yeah! Superman
1: song. We got a soul Superman, don't we?
0: Yes, well, last month you'll recall that we played Soul Superman by The Hesitations, a song from 1967. Now, The Hesitations weren't happy with just doing one Soul Superman song. They did another song called
1: Soul Superman Number 2. I'm disappointed they didn't call it Soul Superman 2, though, like T-O-O. You know, that's always the best way to do this. The uh, sequ- Yes,
0: <laughs> very, very smart. But um, no, they've done Soul Superman number two. So here it is, that's promised last month, by The Hesitations.
2: <laughs> time you need something. Thank you slip through my rubber glove
0: That's the show for another month. Remember, if you've got a topic you'd like Neil and I to discuss, maybe there's a trade paperback you'd like Michael Bailey to review. Is there a big question topic you'd like us to cover? Maybe there's a song you'd like us to play, a Superman song. Well, all those suggestions can be sent to us using the KAL feedback form found at the Superman homepage um, and get get those suggestions to us and we'll try to use them for a future podcast. But for episode number 65 of Radio
1: KAL, that's it. We're done. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Steve. And as Tom Welling once said, remember, when Lex and Lana don't return for the final season, caveat emptor.
0: You've been listening to Radio KAL from supermanhomepage.com.